I find it really important for our business that we have multiple streams of income from many different strategies so that we're not in a position where we are forced to transact just to keep the lights on. We can sit things out. We can sit back and watch and observe. I can spend six months on the beach and do nothing to wait for the right timing and opportunity as opposed to you know some groups that are like, gosh, we don't get another deal in two months. We can't make rent. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm here with the one and only Brian Burke. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm <laughs> doing, doing pretty good. I say the one and only Brian Burke, but believe it or not, literally today, I'm not joking, today, someone on LinkedIn reached out to me to connect and his name is Brian Burke. And I had to do a double take. And I, like, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, it's great to have another Brian Burke in my network. And, like, he's, and I tagged you. Like, in the, you can tag someone in the, in the DM, you know, on LinkedIn. So I, so he could see your profile and he's like, wow, do you actually know that guy? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, I sent him a connection request. I'm like, I'll put in a good word for you. you know? <laughs> I'll so be yeah. watching for that connection request then. So anyways, you're, you're the one and only, you'll always be the one and only to me, Brian. <laughs> well, hey, I honestly can say I don't know any other Yona Weiss's either. <laughs> it's good. It's good for my brand. You know, Google Yona Weiss, guess what you'll find? One. But what I do want to say, just to give you a little context, right? If you are in the real estate world at all, maybe you've stumbled upon the platform called Bigger Pockets. Okay. You've probably heard of this guy, Brian Burke. In fact, he just put out a book published by Bigger Pockets called The Hands Off Investor, an insider's guide to investing in passive real estate syndication. So Brian is, you know, the number one go-to guy when I think of real estate syndicator who's got the experience, who's got the background. I think he's that way for a lot of people, especially in this kind of little bigger pockets and multifamily world that exists out there. You know, he came from a career owning, you know, single family homes, hundreds of them to now owning over 3,000, you know, or having owned maybe some of them you've disposed of, you know, but 3,000 multifamily units, over a half a billion dollars assets under management, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's pretty cool nonetheless. And I just learned today he's a pilot. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so, we just uh, we were just talking about that before the show. Yeah. So you're you're flying all around. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta find good ways to travel, right? Absolutely. And with this, you know, the, all the travel restrictions going on today, it's just become it's become almost you know impossible to get around anywhere. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it is kind of nice to be in your own plane and not have to worry about anybody else. Yeah, hundred percent. So Brian, I love the fact that, you know, when I found, I found you on bigger pockets a few years back and like, you know, you're like the one person who I think of that has like on any post that you make or, or comment that you have, you have like, you know, 10 to one ratio of like likes of your comment <laughs> to your, to your comments. Right. And you put a lot of time and effort and thought into a lot of those comments, which I think a lot of people appreciate. I mean, you could literally take a whole course on real estate investing just by going through and searching every single comment that Brian has, uh, has written. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm quality over quantity. So, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe will chime in with a one sentence answer to things and, you know, they have a really high post count. I really like to give, you know, a lot of quality information when I, when I post on there. If I'm going to, if I'm going to say something, I want it to mean something to someone and, and help somebody. So, you know, I, I certainly don't have the most posts by far, but I probably spend the most time on the few that I have. <laughs> <laughs> and you do, and you can tell, I mean, the, the quality that of, of some of the answers you give. And because you have that, you know, that experience of 30 plus years in the real estate business, I think there aren't a lot of people that are active on bigger pockets that, ha- that can say that. Yeah, there's probably not too many. I, uh, there's a couple more. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, Jay is on there and, and he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's got at least as many years as I do. But boy, that guy can post. I, I haven't been able to figure out how to find the time to do that yet. But, uh, you know, I get on there when I can. And, you know, when I, when I type something, I, I try to make it as helpful as possible. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's all about providing value. And when you're doing that, yeah. it's people can tell. You know, and they, yeah, they right. see right through it. And I think that's why so many people respect you because they see the quality, you know, that you're putting out there. And, you know, you're a speaker, you're being asked to, you know, speak at all these events and you're being asked to be on every single podcast that's out there, right? You know, gracious enough to join the Weiss Advice clan over here. Let me ask you a question. What, what's your favorite thing about real estate investing? Well, to me, it's just an interesting challenge. You know, it's like I came from a background in law enforcement. And the one thing about that job is when you when you get in the patrol car and leave the station, you never know what your day is going to be like. You don't know what your next call is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be busy or slow. And the real estate business is kind of the same way. You know, every day is a little bit different. And you know, you just never know what you're going to do that day. And, and sometimes your day takes a total turn from what you thought it was going to be. And I think that keeps life interesting. You know, if you just do the same thing day in, day out, it gets a little boring. You know, this is uh, never, never a dull moment in the real estate business. And every time you think you've seen it all, you get schooled that you haven't seen it all. So uh, I, I kind of like that aspect. All right. What about, what, what's your biggest challenge that you guys are facing right now is Praxis Capital. Sorry, I didn't say that. Praxis Capital, that's a company. They're, uh, they're big. Yeah, so challenges, you know, it's obviously we're in the midst of a uh, global pandemic. It's uh, no secret now that this is going on. And, you know, obviously that presents a unique set of challenges for real estate. And, you know, some might think that our biggest challenge is managing, you know, non-paying residents and that sort of stuff. But actually, that's been pretty good. I mean, you know, our, our income is actually up at a lot of properties, even over January, February, March. So, that really isn't the big problem. The big problem for us now is to figure out how we can analyze an opportunity that might become available to us to acquire today Mm -hmm. and analyze it in such a way where we feel confident about what the performance is going to be six months, one year, two years, three years, and five years down the road. And, you know, when you're in a stable climate, it's pretty easy to attach some assumptions yeah. to an acquisition and feel fairly confident. You can even back that up with third-party support 
from you know analysts and uh, yeah. and professionals who specialize in that and point to that to say oh well you know yeah we're forecasting four percent rent growth but you know these guys are the experts and they're saying it's going to be five so we're being conservative nowadays no matter what the experts put in their opinion i don't think i could trust it because nobody really knows where we're going right now so i think our biggest challenge is figuring out uh, you know, where we really are and where we're really going mm-hmm. and uh, and realizing that despite the fact that it, we may not have felt any pain yet, uh, that's not indicative that we're going to escape it. No, I hear that. And so that's, I mean, that is very challenging. It's just, just not knowing, right? When you're used to planning and, you know, you guys are acquiring deals and you're, you know, underwriting deals and now there's so much up in the air, it just kind of throws a wrench into your whole your whole business model in a sense. It does. I mentioned before that you, you got a plane, right? You're flying around, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make it seem like you're, you're just like flying around all day, but that's got to be a big benefit to you as, you know, overseeing how many properties currently you have under management. Oh, I don't know. We got a lot. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, around 3000 units and, you know, I think we have like uh 12 uh, multifamily uh, assets and then a number of single family that's scattered all over uh, the place. So all of our multifamily assets are all the way from Arizona to Florida and up to New York. Our single family assets are all in California. So, you know, it gives us, you know, it does give me some mobility advantages. You know, we also have a, a lending company where we make bridge loans to real estate investors in many, many states across the country with a high concentration on the West Coast. We just Mm -hmm. opened up an East Coast office as well. So, you know, having the ability to get around and and be able to, uh, you know, go from office to office and that sort of thing, it is a bit of an advantage. Really, for me, it started out as a hobby. So, you know, make no mistake, this was just out for fun. The fact that I get to use it as a business tool is just icing on the cake. Well, and probably a write-off, perhaps. Well, there is that too, yes. (laughs) Of course, we have the tax aspects of it. And, uh, you know, there is is that that component, albeit a smaller one. Yeah. What I really wanted to, to find out is this book that you just put out, right? And you just published it this year, right? The Hands-Off Investor. What was the impetus behind that book? Well, there were so many. On one hand, I had my wife who's been telling me for years I should write a book. On the other hand, I've had investors telling me for years I should write a book. Then I uh, just was having a conversation with, uh, with Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets. Uh, one day we were out for lunch and, 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 and he was talking about his books. And I said, I have no idea how you can write so many books. And he says, well, this is how you do it. And I thought, well, that doesn't seem all that difficult. Maybe I could do this. And I thought, well, what, what on earth would I write about? And I went in search of topics and realized that we get a lot of inquiries from new investors that are investing with us. And we, I listened to the questions that they ask and the things that they're looking at. And I began to realize that they were asking all the wrong questions. Uh, there were a number of right questions that they weren't asking. And it seemed as though even sophisticated and accredited both investors uh, didn't really quite know how to analyze opportunities. Mm-hmm. So upon doing some further research to that, I realized the reason why is because there was no guide out there. There was no book written to show people uh, exactly what to look for, what questions to ask, and how to do this analysis. 
So I figured that was an opportunity for me to be able to write one. And at first I thought, you know, I'm probably not the right guy for this. Shouldn't somebody teaching people how to invest passively be a passive investor? And, you know, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized I was exactly the right one. Because, you know, the, the one to teach the passive investors what to look for is somebody who knows where all the hidden tricks are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can point out to people, you know, this is how uh, sponsors can take advantage of you. This is how they can lose your money. Uh, you know, these are things that you should be thinking about, uh, you know, and I know it, the business from both sides. So it was just the perfect opportunity to to fill that gap, that knowledge gap for people. That's, yeah, that's a tremendous knowledge gap. And I think, you know, anyone listening to this who is a passive investor or has considered investing passively in real estate, you know, whatever whatever type of real estate, right? Because I'm sure the book goes into multiple asset classes, not just multifamily. And I haven't read it yet. So I'm just saying, uh, (laughs) I assume that's what it's talking about. But that being said, I think it's probably just from knowing you and knowing what quality content you put out there on a daily basis, I'm sure this is going to be a tremendous success. And uh, anyone listening should probably check out this book. Yeah, I've been surprised. The feedback I've been getting, it's been really, really positive and, and I'm very grateful for that. And you're right. I mean, the book is very centered on multifamily syndication because A, that's the world that I live in and B, that's probably the largest component of syndications for most mm-hmm. smaller non-institutional passive investors. But I do spend a lot of time in the book in various sections talking about how to apply these principles to any type of real estate. And, you know, one of the things that that I encourage people to do is to diversify amongst different asset classes. You know, don't invest only in multifamily real estate. Don't invest only in multifamily real estate in Dallas, Texas. Don't invest only in multifamily real estate in Dallas, Texas with sponsor X. (laughs) You know, instead, think about diversifying your money amongst different asset classes of real estate, different geographical locations, and different sponsors with the idea being that your objective is to limit or eliminate any single point of failure. You know, you don't want one sponsor wiping you out. You don't want one city wiping you out. You don't want one asset class wiping you out. So it's real important to, um, you know, take a broad, a broad brush to your investing when you're investing passively in real estate. Yeah. And I think that's awesome that, you know, you're coming from, from that kind of position of someone who knows all those tricks of the trade and you could be very well, you know, trying to, to gain more investors by doing this, but you're obviously telling the truth and seeing, you know, showing how it is. And I think I remember you mentioning to me at one point that you like have a waiting list for investors to, to invest with your company. Is that accurate? Yeah, we do. And, you know, it's funny, we, we put out an offering, uh, I guess it was probably about, I don't know, like a year or two ago. And, you know, we said, let's, let's raise $5 million for this fund and, you know, and see how it goes. And we launched it at, at noon, uh, no, at nine o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And by noon on Wednesday, we had seven and a half million dollars in commitments. So, you know, it literally took like 30 hours to oversubscribe by 50%. And then, you know, we had to, eventually we had to cut it off and build a waiting list. So, you know, it is like that, you know, and then there's other times when, you know, it might take a few days to, to gather enough investors together. So it just kind of really depends on, you know, the timing and what the opportunity is. But certainly we've, we've been very pleased with, uh, you know, the reception that we've gotten in the marketplace. Sure. And it hasn't always been that way. Okay. So for someone thinking right now, like, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm open a syndication and tomorrow I'm going to launch 
to all my investors and we're going to raise in 36 hours. No, it didn't yeah, our, our, <laughs> our first large scale multifamily syndication was a two and a half million dollar raise that took 18 months. So yes, it's true when you're, you know, when you're first trying to get this together, it's a lot more challenging. You know, I've been at this for 30 years and, you know, and doing it with syndication funds for almost 20 years now. And it takes a long time to get a really strong following. There's no doubt. So syndication is not a get rich quick type investment platform. Yeah. You know, it, well, it depends <laughs> if you're, if you're selling courses to teach people how to become a syndication sponsor, it absolutely is a get rich quick platform. Unfortunately, all your students are going to end up very disappointed in the results. If you're coming from my world, which is reality, it's not even a get rich platform. This is a, uh, I, I like to call it a payday, not a paycheck. You know, this is something that if you perform well for your investors, you will be handsomely rewarded for that performance yeah. until such time you're struggling and you're working for fees and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's why I find it really important, you know, for our business that we have multiple streams of income from many different strategies so that we're not in a position where we are forced to transact just to keep the lights on. You know, we can sit things out. We can sit back and watch and observe. I can spend six months on the beach and do nothing to wait for the right timing and opportunity uh, as opposed to, you know, some groups that are like, gosh, we don't get another deal in two months. We can't make rent. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in that position for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, you've done that. <laughs> I remember Been like there. a couple of years ago, no, but you've done both sides of it. I mean, you, you're sitting on the beach and you can just take the time off. And obviously you took the time off to write this book, which I'm sure was, was time well spent, but it was, it was time where you didn't feel the pressure to, to do, you know, to have to close a deal. Yeah, I didn't. But I'll tell you, when I wrote this book, uh, it just meant that I was working 18 hour days instead of 12 hour days, because after I'd finish at the office, I'd go home and start writing. And I had to tell my wife, I said, you've been telling me for years, I should write a book. Now is that moment where you, where you say to yourself, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, you had no idea what an impact it was going to be, because it is enormously time consuming to write a book, especially this book, it's 360 something pages. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, an afternoon read, that's for sure. Yeah, it's more like a guide, a guidebook. What it sounds yeah, like. some people have told me that, uh, you know, they're using it first, they read it. Now they're using it as a reference manual, you know, they mm -hmm. pages and made notes. And so they go back and when they're analyzing opportunities, they can go back into the book and compare things that were discussed in the book with the with the opportunity that they're analyzing. And, uh, and, you know, get a sense of whether or not uh, it's, uh, it's something they want to invest in. So people have been using it for what it was intended for, which makes me feel really good. If I can save one person from losing their life savings, like a friend of mine did, I will feel uh, that I've, I've done what I was set out to do. That's awesome. And wish you much success with that. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's going to help tr a tremendous amount of people, not just one person. And I'm sure it already has. So much success with that. I want to jump right into the final four over here, Brian. Is that all right? Yeah, hit me. First question, what is the worst job you ever had? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I haven't had a lot of jobs. So uh, my first job, I was uh, bagging groceries at a grocery store. Then eventually I got promoted to checker. So I got to ring up groceries at the check stand. And then I went into law enforcement. And then uh, I've been doing this real estate thing. So 
in fact, I've been doing this as even the whole time I was working in law enforcement, which was kind of cool. I was working evenings and weekends, which left me the whole business week off. So I was doing real estate by day and mm-hmm. uh, law enforcement by evening. And so uh, it's been a, it's been a long road. So if I had to pick amongst all of them, I guess I would say bagging groceries was probably the worst job I ever had. But I'll tell you what, even though I was making five bucks an hour, I felt like I was the king of the hill. It was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And I got to take every week's paycheck and I could spend it on one flying lesson. And I got my uh, pilot's license before I finished high school thanks to that grocery bagging job. So I'm very grateful that I had it when I did. But one thing is for sure, I'm not anxious to go back to that field. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's pretty cool. That's that's really cool that you even did that in high school. Flying lessons, you know, you were flying airplanes before people were driving cars, you know? Yeah, yeah. the ink wasn't even dry on my driver's license and I was up flying around in an airplane. Kind of a crazy thought. A little scary if you're on the ground, I suppose. <laughs> oh man, that's, that is pretty scary. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Wow. Uh, well, you know, I think uh, the good stand-in, of course, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad really helped me kind of uh, tweak my mind into thinking about the why of this business and why, I, you know, why I wanted to be in business and not just work for someone else. Mm-hmm. But more recently than that, since that was, I don't even know how many years ago, a really good book called TED Talks. It was written by the uh, CEO of the TED Talk organization, which really helped me with a lot of great ideas. I do a lot of public speaking, at least I used to until all of a sudden uh, there's no such thing as public anymore. Right. Uh, maybe next year speaking. I'll do more. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no public. There's speaking, but there's not public speaking. Uh, maybe next year I'll get back into that. It did help me think about the way I approach uh, giving a presentation to keep the audience engaged and learn a lot of new things. So I, I think that was kind of cool as well. And one more that I, I really liked was called Real Leaders Don't Do PowerPoint. Uh, which kind of tied into the TED Talk book in a sense is that, you know, don't just stand there and read off bullet points from a PowerPoint slide, you know, give people an engaging presentation where your, uh, your slides are just a visual aid to uh, emphasize the point that you're talking about. So I don't know, those, those things I thought were really cool. And when you're, you know, when you're in a business of uh, financial services, you know, getting the message out there is important, but, uh, you know, being, uh, having an exciting, engaging presentation is even more important. And without those skills, you know, it's more, more difficult to grow and, and raise capital, I think. Absolutely. You know, I remember there's a, there's a great book on public speaking called Steal the Show. And I'm blanking on the name of the guy. I probably should Google it right now because I, I think I mentioned this guy before. But Steal the Show, he's, the author is a famous actor, and a performer. And now he's like a business coach, a business uh, thing. Anyways, unbelievable book there about public speaking. And one of the things he talks about there is improvisation and, you know, never to rely on your, your visuals, right? Meaning if you can't give the same exact speech without the visuals, then, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't give the speech with the visuals. So, you know, he kind of tells a story about a guy who, you know, the, the power went out in uh, you know, in the visual that whatever the thing stopped working, and he just went the flow, like didn't didn't drop a miss a step because you know you can give the presentation without that. So I think that's that's kind of cool thing. So I'm interested in seeing that book as well. I'll have to check it out. That sounds pretty exciting, and I totally agree. You know, it's like uh, you know you don't want to use your visual aids as too much of a crutch for sure. Yeah, Michael Port, that's the author. Michael Port, steal the show. Right on. Third question: What is a skill or talent you would like to learn? 
You know, there's 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 one that's been dogging me for years, and uh, and that is flying helicopters. I uh, I actually started flying helicopters about ten years ago, and uh, I got all the way to where I was just about to go solo, and I got busy, and then you know work and life got in the way, and I'd love to get back out there and finish that and go get that license. So that what's, to me would be a lot of fun. What's the what's the difference I mean, between a helicopter and a plane? Practically. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the difference between night and day <laughs> 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 or salad and pizza. I don't, okay. I don't know. I mean, there's, they're, they're, they both go up in the air, but the, but the similarities end right there. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I guess we'll have to, we'll have to go into that thing a little bit another time after you get the license. We'll, we'll have you back again to tell us the, there you go. the real differences. For the final question, Brian, what does success mean to you? I think that, uh, you know, success is, is about uh, a good work-life balance. It's about, you know, having a, a successful uh, home life, uh, interpersonal relationships, you know, being, being thought of as a, a thought leader or as a friend and, uh, and not just about somebody that's chasing the almighty dollar. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot more to life. Uh, than just that. And while chasing it is very important because we're a financial services business, our whole model is to re, uh, generate a return for our investors. So we have to chase the dollar, but we have to chase the dollar with some balance. And I think it's really important to maintain that balance in order to be truly successful. Awesome. Excellent answer. As always, thoughtful, to the point, and definitely room to expound on that. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Well, you can usually find me on biggerpockets.com. That's, uh, that's, that's where my keyword alerts go off and I start looking for things to say. So I, I certainly go on there and make, make comments as the situation warrants. But outside of that uh, and outside of various conferences and speaking engagements, our website is prax, uh, praxcap.com. It's P-R-A-X-C-A-P.com. You can also find me on Instagram at investor Brian Burke or... Um, where else? That's probably about it. Uh, I'm really nowhere else. I'm always in the office. So that's about it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it's been a tremendous pleasure. Maybe have to have you back another time to dig a little deeper in some of these things because you're just a wealth of information and and knowledge and experience. So I appreciate you making the time for us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure. Awesome. And to our listeners, thank you again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I learned a tremendous amount. I'm sure you did. Thanks for sticking around. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.